0: From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. And now here's your host, Michael Freeze.
1: Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. Brake technology, whether air disc brakes or advanced driver assistance systems, continues to evolve at an accelerated rate. As such, these features are appearing in commercial vehicles and becoming a mainstay helping drivers stay safe on our nation's highways. However, as technology moves forward, trucking companies, as well as manufacturers, are finding other issues to contend with, such as maintenance and education. So in this episode, we want to ask the question, how is brake technology evolution changing fleets' approach to maintenance? For the answer to this question, we'll speak to David Work, former Director of Maintenance at PGT Trucking, about how fleets are approaching this later in the program. But now, we welcome Richard Beyer, Vice President of Engineering and R&D at Bendex Commercial Vehicle Systems whom I spoke with earlier this fall at the Technology and Maintenance Council meeting in Cleveland, Ohio. Here's our conversation. Next on Road Signs, we have Richard Beyer, Vice President of Engineering and Research and Development for Bendex. Richard, it's a pleasure having you on.
2: Well, thank you so much for having
1: me. Um, yes, uh, you know, we're here to talk about brakes. Um, one of the things uh, I wanted to talk about before we get into things is just kind of the, the, the evolution of um, ADAS, um and just kind of um, talk about just where we've come from. You talk about ABS and electronic stability control and collision uh, mitigation and, and just kind of where the uh, brake t- technology has been in the beginning. Can you just elaborate on brake technology from where it's at now and just kind of you know, how it's um, evolved to where it's at?
2: Yeah, when you look at the whole, call it the evolution of braking, right, from you know the inception of the dual circuit pneumatic system to have all the right safety. Um, you know, then coming into you know the the ABS in the second wave of ABS that was successful. Um, mainly, you're looking at vehicle stability. You didn't have vehicle stability and call it inclement weather conditions with locking wheels. With that, became you got longitudinal stability because the wheels were no longer locking, and you actually had the ability to steer the vehicle even during braking, as opposed to you lock your front wheels just like you do on your car and you go straight, right? So that's helped immensely, um, you know, the stability of Class 8 combination vehicles. And then starting about mid, to the mid 2000s, 2000, around 2004, 2005 was introduced in North America was uh, vehicle stability or ESP was uh, introduced which took it to another level so now you have still the ABS and traction control and things that you had before but now in this situation where you have an understeer oversteer condition you had the ability to individually apply brakes on the tractor and the trailer to help allow the vehicle to not jackknife in slippery conditions and to, like in the case of an exit ramp or an entrance ramp where the vehicle's going too fast with a high CG load to prevent a rollover by de-throttling and hitting the brakes real hard. So that sort of becomes sort of the step then right before ADAS. Now you have collision mitigation functions, ADAS functions that now the radar has the ability to see an object in front of you, say the driver's inattentive or not reacting fast enough, the system sees it and starts braking for the driver. And that's sort of in a nutshell sort of the last 30 years, right?
1: You know, it was great that you can condense that down to a few minutes. Um, ADAS is a much better way of saying uh, ADAS, by the way. Just kind of get into the to adoption of that, you know, it's. I mean, first of all, it's very exciting to see that technology grow to what it is and, and have a uh, very niche specification, especially when it comes to the tractor versus the trailer. You know, um, and, and one thing, when we're kind of talking about fleets, the adoption rates, you know, the, the National Highway Traffic uh, Safety Administration, they're moving towards. Uh, you know, a proposed requirement for amag braking um, on heavy trucks and proposed to um, come down sometime you know next year and and just sort of with adoption rates just varying uh, among the fleets um, you know what are you hearing from fleets that, that, uh, that you think are encouraging when it comes to gaining more adoption? Because, uh, like I said, it, it varies. There's sort of a gap between, like, the smaller fleets and the more established fleets. Right. So, uh, what are you hearing?
2: Well, let me. I'm going to digress a little bit, right? I'm going to talk a little bit just r- briefly about ESP. You know, when we introduced ESP, part of the interest was, like, ABS only functions when the driver steps his foot on the brake. If you're not braking, ABS is never doing anything right however when you started looking at what causes certain types of accidents rollovers loss of controls some of those are happening not necessarily when you're braking you're just either over accelerating in a curve where which can cause an oversteer condition or you can also be braking either understeering or a jackknife type situation so that's when esp came in to help relieve that stress on the driver and keep the vehicle in a you know a safe steady uh drivable mode right so but th- what's different from ABS to ESP is now you have a situation that the computer is applying the brakes that's sort of the why that is sort of the predecessor to allowing for ADAS and collision uh mitigation braking uh, or AEB autom- automated emergency braking right or autonomous emergency braking is you're in a situation because the radar or the radar and the camera sees something, an object like a stationary vehicle. Somebody cuts you off, whatever situation it might be, and starts and doing a heavy brake applied, dependent upon how close that vehicle is. And those types of functions are what the fleets are looking for because the professional drivers out there are very good. They're very conscientious. It's not like your normal pass car driver that's driving to work, to and from work for a half an hour these men and women are driving 10 hours a day, you know, really conscientious, and they have to be very defensive drivers because Class A vehicles are 80,000 pounds of weight going down the road. You have to anticipate what some of the, quote-unquote, I call them boneheads do in the four-wheelers, right? And you have to be able to uh, react to that and keep the vehicle safe. And these systems are there to help them if somebody in another vehicle does this in front of you, helps the driver keep the vehicle under control, and even if the driver were, say, looking to the left, but something's happening on the right side of the vehicle, the system could see it and then start reacting earlier. And that all time is of the essence with these safety systems, the earlier you can start intervening, braking, helping the vehicle maintain control, are the better chances that you have of mitigating one of those collisions.
0: The world is moving again. Penske never stopped. They've been working hard, monitoring every mile driven, every wrench turned, and every shipment delivered, giving them unique insight on managing the most challenging of demands. That includes identifying and fixing hidden stress points in supply chains before they become a problem. Visit GoPenske.com to see how Penske's practical innovation and customized solutions can help you adapt and move forward. With confidence.
1: So, in in getting acceptance to that, you know, you were talking about the, you know the driver and and in fleets. Um, I mean, is it just a point of the technology getting better? Uh, you know, just kind of minimizing false positives and things such as that. Um, that technology getting better would that lead to more driver acceptance of this?
2: Yeah, I I would say that. In the beginning, the larger fleets that are very safety conscientious and also trying to make sure that their CSA scores are, you know, as best, best that they can be, were looking at how do I make sure that in all these conditions they, they looked at their accident profiles and saw they had issues with, you know, rollovers or rear-end collisions. And then these automated systems start helping with those. I mean, these are mitigation systems. They're still level one systems where the driver is still in charge. The driver still can override these systems, but they're there to intervene early, right? And so the fleet started seeing the payback because these systems are, are active and helping the driver keep the vehicle safe so they could see their accident rates going down. And then the driver, call it acceptance, was once there's a lot of training involved. Because if you just set a driver in with a system and you never tell them how it's going to react, when it's going to react, what it can do, what it can't do, that's very important. It's something that Bendix does do a lot of. We do a lot of driver training, fleet training, to get the acceptance. Because I I know for a fact when we launched ESP, the first time somebody's in a vehicle going fast in an exit ramp, and all of a sudden they wait, hey, wait a minute, why is this thing de-throttling? Well, If you don't know that it's happening, then you wonder, what the heck is going on? Is the hand of God coming and pulling on my throttle? No, it's the system doing that, right? So it's very important to have that training and that understanding. And then you mentioned false positives. I mean, that's why we developed our fusion systems, the camera and the radar. Our first systems that we came out four generations ago were radar only. Then we included camera fusion, and that allows the system to really verify is that a vehicle it's not a leaf bag blowing across the road or you know something small do I really need to act on it or not right and so that helps the false positives but you also have to realize that technology the sensing technology is evolving so quickly that a lot of the features say that are coming out near-term, what you're seeing are level two. You have lane keep assist, lane centering systems. You have improved collision mitigation because now you have better camera technology coming, better radar technology, so that you can sense it earlier, break harder, and those all things will develop into better and uh, even more improved systems. And then if you go all the way, then you can see the beginnings of some of these level four systems for automated driving it's basically taking the technologies that we have in the level one and level two expanding to many more sensors much more computing power and then with a lot of experience because it's going to take years for this stuff to come in and you know at some point in time probably after I've retired, the stuff will become ready for prime time.
1: Yeah, and just in speaking with that, you know, it's kind of when you talk about Moore's Law, I mean, even though Moore's Law is kind of relevant to, like, microchips, but it's just kind of the the technology kind of almost uh, doubling in, in a few years' time. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, do you think that with brake technology, especially with autonomous vehicles, in electric vehicles, that that uh, innovation, when it comes to brake technology, is is going to move even faster. I mean,
2: oh, absolutely. We're going to see in the commercial industry, in the next three to five years, more change than we've seen in the next, last 50. I mean, we are moving from an ABS ESP based braking system on the vehicles to pretty much by the time 25, 26, 27 turns around, we're going completely to an ECBS so electric, uh, electrically controlled uh, pneumatic brake system. So the whole control signal on the backbone of the vehicle will all be electronic. And that's r- sort of a requirement when you start talking about all these systems we talked in the past were 80% of the time, 90% of the time under driver control, and then those certain instances when you had an ESP situation, rollover, collision mitigation, it was then the computer control but when you start going and having higher end ADOS functions, automated driving functions, you are now driving the vehicle much more via the computer. Both the throttle, steering and the braking are being controlled uh, by the computer. So that's going to drive a completely different architecture of the braking system. It's still going to be dual pneumatics. You're still going to you're still going to have valves at all the wheels controlling the pneumatics. But it's you're gonna to have to also deal with like if you look at aircraft aircraft have typically three redundant systems for pitch yaw roll for all the maneuvering of the capability of the vehicle today trucks only have basically one set of uh, systems to control the vehicle if you go into automation there has to be a minimum of at least one redundant system so that means the power supplies that feed these systems—you have to ever done in power supplies. You have to ever done in braking systems. You have to ever done in steering. So that causes the architecture of the vehicle to change dramatically. So if you look when you start setting up for the level zero and one and two vehicles, that base system is going to change to ECBS. But then, if you're now f- setting that truck up to be able to be used in certain situations automated, then you have to go to the second layer of redundancy and have a second brake system on the vehicle. And that includes tractor and trailer.
1: That, you know, the, uh, the ATIS technology is going to, you know, as you had just mentioned, is going to grow uh, exponentially you know, in, in, in the next few years. Um, and before I get you out of here, Richard, you know, I just kind of want to talk about that. Just with the, you know, with the technology uh, and, and the, the innovation of the brick technology, um, just kind of, if, if any, has um, you know, the, the lasting effects of you know, this pandemic that we've been in, I mean, has that had any effect on, on just kind of where we're going with that technology and, and innovation?
2: I don't think it's really affected it. I mean, you know, we're more cognizant of looking at the like the chip shortage that's affecting all electronics. If you go try to buy a a laptop today, it's difficult, not to mention brake systems or whatever on a truck, right? Or even cars. You can't you go to a car dealer today, there's no cars on the lot because there are no new cars, right? So but that doesn't affect where the technology is going. The technology is going there. There's still a driver shortage. And, and I don't, when I talk about automated driving, you're gonna see a driver in the car for a very long time. Aircraft have been totally redundant, capable landing to takeoff for 30 years. You still have a pilot and a co-pilot. Why? Because there are still use cases, things that can happen that the computers haven't been trained to do yet. And it's nice to have a pilot and a co-pilot in there, right? What will happen, though, the driver's tasks when they're driving, like if you're on a divided highway, those types of things will get automated first. So when he doesn't have the stress of dealing with, let's say, Chicago traffic or traffic jams, but the vehicle will drive itself, he can be or he or she can be working on lading list, looking at where, you know, the best routing is, you know, doing other value-added tasks, but not having to deal with the second-by-second second keeping track of the path that they're going, right? But you still do need the driver in the seat understanding the situation where it's at because I still firmly believe for quite a while you're going to still see drivers. Their their tasks and their, their job may change a little bit, but there's still going to be a big part of moving that vehicle down the road.
1: We've been speaking with Richard Beyer, Vice President of Engineering and Research and Development for Bendix. Richard, it was a pleasure having you on and thanks for making us smarter.
2: Well, thank you very much for having me. I very much appreciate it.
0: The world is moving again. Pansky never stopped. They've been working hard, monitoring every mile driven, every wrench turned and every shipment delivered giving them unique insight on managing the most challenging of demands. That includes identifying and fixing hidden stress points in supply chains before they become a problem. Visit gopensky.com to see how Penske's practical innovation and customized solutions can help you adapt and move forward with confidence.
1: Next on Road Signs, we have David Work. Director of Maintenance for PGT Trucking. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thanks for having me. One of the things that I would like to talk about with you um, is just the evolution of brake technology. Just in the last few years, there has been you know, an accelerated pace of the advancement of that, of that technology through ADAS and electronic braking, just to name a few. Uh, but David, I just wanted to ask you, just from your perspective as a head of maintenance, how you know, has your fleet managed that transition to that accelerated pace of brake technology, specifically through uh, you know uh, your transition to uh, air disc brakes?
3: Yeah, so PGT made that transition before I got here. However, the funny part about it is I was actually a vendor for them at that time um, when this technology was coming out. So I was actually on the retail side of things. And I saw a pretty radical shift. There was obviously the old guard that didn't want to go away from drum. Uh, this was, you know, this technology wasn't gonna last. There were gonna be issues. And I know from the clients I had, PGT seemed to be on the front end of that. Um, since coming here, everything we order obviously is disc brake, uh, the majority of our fleet is. And honestly, I don't see a whole lot of problems. I mean, the big biggest problems we've encountered and that I know they encountered even before I got here was uh, issues with some of the manufacturing, some of the engineering, uh, big rotor issues, tone rings breaking. And you're talking about something that's pretty significant uh, because of the ABS, but also money-wise and potential downtime, especially in this day and age with parts securement being what it is. But I think from what I saw on the outside with not just PGT, but other clients I had that um, that were willing to get on board early on, Obviously, it was kind of being a trend setter, but they definitely have gotten their life out of things, especially the components you know as long as you're maintaining a vehicle, the technology has definitely been worthwhile. I see it even in our own maintenance program um, i see I see the good and bad
1: you know one of the things you you had said you you were on the other side of things when it came to just you know air disc brakes being on the other side as you know as you're leading the maintenance team you know how how has it specifically uh, impacted you know your your maintenance cost and and just the the fleet performance overall
3: maintenance costs um obviously fluctuate right because there's so many variables between drivers using trailer brakes driver abuse things being maintained. But what I've seen is on the equipment as a whole here at PGT, we we have a pretty stringent maintenance program. So you're able to catch a lot of things before that repair turns in from a $500 repair to a $1,500 repair, so to speak. Um, So a lot of it goes back to just honestly personal maintenance practices. I've seen definitely an impact on the longevity of the braking systems without a doubt. and you don't really hear any bad feedback from drivers. And that's always a big part that I think isn't discussed. They're looking at dollars and cents, but it's all about safety too. And I think some of the advancements they're making with the collision avoidance and uh, those type things are only going to continue to make not only the drivers safer, feel safer, but it's going to, it's going to cut down on some of the wear and tear of these other items as well.
1: You know, Dave, you, you had spoke about being a vendor yourself and you had just mentioned the, you know, the safety implications for, of, of this technology and the parts and and the feedback from the drivers just kind of with your experience in all of this, how has the process just, you know, the the learning process, you know, teaching your staff, you know, the the proper uh, product and safety education of all of this. How's that going?
3: Here's what I'll say to other folks in maintenance. It's only going to go as good as you push it. Meaning education is out there. You've got to make sure that you push on the vendors, to come in and educate your staff. You gotta make sure that your staff is following the certain procedures, not only in repairs, but in maintaining uh, these components and not even just brakes. I mean, you know, anything. I personally think that the education was out early, but what I've seen is some facilities probably didn't take advantage of it when they should have or as deep as they should have. And I say that because the hours it takes for some of these repairs to be done when we have to get them done on the side of the road, as opposed to a facility that has the proper training, has the proper tools, um, and also you get a quality repair, you can have more assurance that these people have actually done their due diligence um, in keeping up with the science.
1: You know that that kind of leads me to another question, Dave. Where you know, since we're kind of you know talking about air disc brakes, you know, with that, you know, the training being out early, as you had just mentioned, do you think that was that was a, a problem in the the adoption and acceptance of all of this?
3: I do. I do. I think the biggest thing, and I remember having discussions with folks on this, that um, they were very hesitant to go to the disc brakes, you know, guys ordering trucks and changing their mind at the last minute, because they just didn't have trust in the science, right? I think that, uh, um, you know, you're looking at your passenger vehicle, and you're thinking, okay, this same system, other than it's operated by air instead of hydraulic, is going to stop 80,000 pounds, And we're going to have the same thing, brake chatter and rotor chatter. And um, so I think people were hesitant because they weren't educated to what the science was behind it and the years it took to develop and all the testing. So they probably between fleets not buying them and also shops kind of putting off the education piece because they're still at that point seeing more drum than disc. Um, I think it was a little bit behind the curve of what it should have been.
1: You know, um, you know we've been talking about air disc brakes, and, uh, and, and there's a lot to, to offer when it comes to brake technology. Um, but let's move to, um, you know, ADAS uh, and just, you know, just kind of have that particular conversation. You know, and I guess we're in the dawn of this age. You know, the, you know, think, um, you know, the acceptance is, is growing, of course. And, and, and within that, that, this particular area that we're in right now, uh, what are some of the pain points that you see in the coordination with uh, OEMs and, and, and other fleets when it comes to implementation and adoption of, of ABAS?
3: Well, I think it's like anything. As soon as, um, as soon as there's a trust and people see a value in it, those are pretty much the two main factors in integrating anything.
1: You know, one of the things um, I spoke with uh, Richard Bayer from, from Bindex, just about the, um, I had mentioned the, the, the Moore's Law, just kind of the you know, technology growing as fast, you know, fast in about like a two or three years time. You know, the, the, the te- technology itself, the capabilities will will double. Um, and the same can be said for you know, break technology, Overall, one of the things before uh, I get you out of here, Dave, um, you know, speaking of that increasing evolution of brake technology, um, what are the main concerns that you see for your fleet shop that, that, that will impact repairs in the, you know, in, in your fleet shop in, in the next five or 10 years or so? You know, where do you see this technology heading?
3: Well, I, you know, while there's, there's a lot of answers to that, you know, and some of it is on the, is here now, Some's on the immediate horizon. Obviously, with the way things are right now, manufacturing's down, shipping's down. So the biggest thing is, is part procurement, right? But as the technology advances, it's kind of like we just discussed. I mean it's going to be for ourselves and our in-house mechanics, it's continuing to invest in the education and whatever software is developed to support that. Again, whether it was 30 years ago and it was about breakdown bars and, and ratchets, Today, with laptops and software, you got to have the right tools, or you're not going to be successful. So, you know, we pride ourselves on doing as much work in house as we can. The challenge in that is staying on top of all the advancements from from electronic piece, but also the education, so that you're investing this money, but these these technicians know how to utilize the software, know how to utilize the tools, understand the science behind things. I think a a lot of things people don't realize with uh, technicians, and this being National Technician Appreciation Week, um, it's something we need to realize is that not only do these guys and gals have some tough jobs and some tough conditions, but they're putting a lot of uh, responsibility on their own hands, Um, and these people take it very serious. So we need to support them to make sure that as they take pride in what they do, we as the transporter... With a maintenance program or supporting them with not only a good environment but the tools the education and the knowledge behind how these systems work it's very difficult to diagnose something or repair something if you don't understand how it is supposed to work i think as we move forward and and everything gets more and more advanced that plays more of a key than it did years ago
1: we've been speaking with david work director of maintenance for pgt trucking david it was a pleasure
3: having you on it was my pleasure thanks for having me Did you know you can ask Alexa to open Transport Topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with Transport Topics.
1: Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original question How is brake technology evolution changing fleets' approach to maintenance? First, a big thank you to our guests, Richard Beyer and David Work, for joining us on the program. As we heard from our guests, the pace of brake technology is only getting faster. During a panel at the TMC fall meeting, Bayer noted that as an engineer, he's excited about this time in braking technology. As he mentioned earlier, we'll see more advances in brake technology in the next five years than we'll have in the last 50, and the advancements will only improve further, creating more innovation. As Work explains from the fleet's perspective, whether it's ratchets or laptops, you got to have the right tools or you're not going to be successful. Although the evolution is a moving target in some cases, fleets are proactive in their partnerships with manufacturers, as well as providing education and processing driver feedback. Like Work said, quite simply, it's very difficult to diagnose something or repair something if you don't understand how it's supposed to work. If you enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with the Road Signs team, or reach me on Twitter, Michael V. Freeze. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Michael Freeze. Thank you for listening.